You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome to the Cheap Seats, everybody. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and Duke Great. Robert Bricky's back in studio with us. Thanks for hanging out, Robert. Always good to be here. Thanks again for inviting me. Hey, man, I hope you're doing well. Tough weekend for the Triangle. Tough weekend. Nobody even wants to acknowledge Tough that. weekend. Tough NC weekend. State, baby. <laughs> <laughs> NC State with their 95-91 victory in overtime over UNC um, may have sort of rocked Chapel Hill off of its axis a little bit. This win for NC State, if they weren't already – NCAA tournament bound, they are now. I think their resume is sufficient unless there's a complete collapse at this point. I think there's enough quality wins there. They're going to get to around 20 wins, then do some damage in the uh, ACC tournament. But I think NC State is in. What I also think, and I think that you know this, Brandon Atkins, I don't think it's 100% assured at this point that UNC is in the tournament. What are your thoughts? Well, that's what we were talking about yesterday. My thoughts are there's a really good chance they don't make it in the tournament. And that sounds crazy with them just being ranked number 10 in the country. But they've lost two really bad games. The Virginia Tech loss at Virginia Tech. That's a game you should always win. And you got to win these these type of games like NC State at home. Wait a minute. Whoa. Time out. Time out. Time out. I'm going somewhere you with just, my thought. You just completely – Left out of the conversation, the really, really, really I mean, bad loss. Everybody knows Wofford was horrible, but I'm talking about <laughs> ACC. You know I just I mean? wanted to hear you say it. That's all. <laughs> but okay, so the bottom line is, is I don't, I cannot see, but about four more wins for Carolina in the regular season, which gets them to twenty. That gets them to twenty. That doesn't cut it anymore. That used to be kind of like if you hit, you know, twenty mark. You're kind of starting to cook with gas. But, you know, they played Duke twice. I don't see him beating Duke. Do you think – what do you think, Robert? I don't think so. I think Carolina has no identity. Right. And they've got no senior leadership right now. So, I think they're going to struggle. I, I, would, I would give Robert credit there for restraint because I'm going <laughs> to tell you this. Anything can happen in college basketball. That's why it's great. But if you match those teams up – if they play 10 times, it's going to be tough for UNC to get one of those. Well, you know, their wins, they play Clemson next at Clemson. They're going to be tough. Clemson's good, top 25. They're going to be mad because we beat them again in the Dean Dome. That might be a loss right there. We will probably beat Pitt, the loss to Duke, State at PNC. That's going to be a hard game. I'd probably put an L in that column. Notre Dame, we're going to lose at Louisville. Syracuse in the Cary Dome. We might be able to win that one. 
And I'm giving them Miami, which is not a gimme. Like, I mean, I'm giving them that as their fourth win. Then they finish with Duke at the end of the season. Well, they they have a conference tournament, right? They do have a conference tournament, yes. So but they you could win and, the ACC and yes, conference tournament. And yes, and anything could, could happen in that tournament. True. And that's what makes college I don't think Duke great. needs to win the conference tournament, right? If Duke wins the conference tournament, Duke's a one seed. Okay, but Duke doesn't need to win. Virginia doesn't need to win. But so wait a minute. See, they, they you're don't showing have your, as much you're, you're motivation. You're showing your newness to the area here. You're looking brand new right Duke, now. <laughs> Coach K, lives to win the ACC tournament. There are two philosophies. K has one that the ACC tournament, which is actually true, they're the official champions. Dean Smith thought, well, if you win the regular season, that's harder than winning three or four games. And Dean always pushed the envelope about, hey, it's about regular season. Kay will run his team to death to win that tournament. Will he not, Robert? Okay. Yeah, he's had uh, great success in that tournament as well. So he, he really focuses on because, one, it puts you in a better position in the seed in the NCAA tournament. So I think that's part of his mindset. And, Robert, would you say this Duke team – as opposed to the last four or five years where they've had some good teams there, this is a deeper team. So I don't think Coach K runs the risk of running his team into the ground, as may have happened a couple of times in the past few years. I like your philosophy and what you said, that this is the you know getting you guys going, kind of working that lather up through the ACC tournament. But when you've got a good young squad and they're deep like they are now, that's the, they're tough. That's the key, being deep. Because, you know, he likes to run about a seven-man rotation. Right. And if you stretch out, especially in tough years in the ACC, you can wear your guys out. Because yep. they turn around and play that the NCAA tournament. It's not like a two-week layover like the Super Bowl. Like, they turn around and start playing that thing. Yep. That's why they've run into uh, – with all the success they've had, there's been the Mercers, there's been the Lehigh's. And I happen to think that that – I mean, but you'll take that with K. If that's K's only fault, you'll take that all day long for sure. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make this pronouncement one more time for all of our Wolfpack fans. I believe, and I hope this is not the kiss of death. I believe the pack is in. Period. I, no I matter what happens no the rest of the way, you know, barring something ridiculous. But I'm gonna tell you what I saw this weekend for the first time in in a while. I saw just better athletes from top to bottom at NC State than I do at UNC. Now, UNC's got a nice class coming in. However, to bank on that and say, well, we're going to rebound, you know, this is kind of an alibi year, the concern I have is you're losing the core of that team going into next year. And I don't know from what I see with that team right now who they can sort of stake their future to. What do you think, B? I think, you know, after talking to some buddies of mine, I think bigs are still going to be an issue next year. And Roy's teams, if you look at Hansborough and Lawson, and if you look at May and Ray Felton, he loves that fast point guard with a dominant big. And that's where he's gotten the majority of success. You know, he had a more all-around team this last couple of years in the championship, but that's his formula. If he can find a scoring dominant big man, and I know that sounds like no-do, well, if you got really great players, but he really loves to, like, get the rebound and beat you down to the other end of the court. You can't do that with Joel Berry. He's just not quick enough. Uh, as we discussed, Pinson, um, he's better off bringing the ball up the court. That's the way you get him involved rather than him feel like it. he's got to create a shot. 
Um, but bigs are going to be a problem for next year. I have a feeling that this is kind of a re- reloading time period for the, the heels. And it's easier to stomach because we won last year. But um, state fans crack me up, Robert. I mean, do you come around? I mean, you got a house in Raleigh. They they literally got took to Facebook over the weekend and was like, now what? Like, they take – we beat you and Duke. Now what? Like, they just cracked me up for sure. I was at the state Miami game. Okay. And let me tell you, you gave Carolina the win over Miami – that's a well-coached, experienced, athletic, long team. Right. They're hard to beat. I gave him, but barely. I really, Laranega is, like, I think probably one of the better coaches he's, in the He's ACC. very underrated. Yeah. Well, speaking of underrated coaches, I want to talk about – don't let me forget, because you know how I am. I'm a little ADHD. We've got to talk about Matt Painter and that Purdue team here at some point, because I'm not sure that Matt Painter is not – solidifying himself as one of the best half-dozen coaches in the country. But before I go, I want to throw out a couple numbers relative to this NC State-UNC game this weekend. Up to Saturday, Roy Williams in his life was 32-3 and against NC State with his time at Kansas, time at UNC. This is only the fourth time NC State beat Roy Williams. And you've got to be confident if you're an NC State fan, alum, whatever, if you're part of that nation, you got to be confident they're going to get them again when the Tar Heels come to PNC. You've already hit on that. This is the first time since 1987, 87, that's 30 years ago, that NC State has picked up back-to-back road wins in the ACC. That is (laughs) mind-boggling. That's bananas. And it's the first time that the Wolfpack has been 3-0 against Duke, Wake, and UNC since 75. Wow. I think over the years they had that Wake part. It was just the other two. That <laughs> yeah, right? I don't know how Wake managed to get in there. I guess Tim Duncan screwed it up when he was there. I don't know. But those numbers blew me away. And a shout-out to PK for, for dropping that knowledge on me. Well, and if you're new but, to the ACC and you don't know about Roy's hatred from NC State, like, the State-Carolina rivalry was the thing prior to Duke just, you know, taking the entire NCAA by the, the reins. But Roy has got on record that he would he still has a hatred for uh, State, even though he's beaten them to a pulp all these years. He says he, he would rather beat State than eat <laughs> and that's how bad he hates State. Well, I'm going to put this out there right now, and it may be too early to, to say, but with NC State's recruiting class coming in, I don't think Roy's going to eat for two two more years. I mean, they might be 0-4 after next year. Well, he's got his work cut out for him, and I don't want people – you know, I don't suggest that, that UNC fans should panic, but the tide is turning, and Kevin Keats – Man, if you're NC State, you got to be working him from every angle. If you're an NC State booster, you need to be taking that dude to lunch today. <laughs> you know, hooking him up. Hey, come on out. We got a lease on this brand new ride. Do whatever it takes. You got to keep that guy happy because he's going to be in high demand very quickly. And I don't know if anybody else in the country caught this, but if you check our Twitter feed out, you'll see I paid tribute to Kevin Keats. Because on the sideline, you know, during this promotional thing that these coaches are doing, they're all wearing basketball shoes. 
Did you see what Kevin Keats was wearing? No. Rocking the Adidas shell toes. <laughs> what? That's a throwback. <laughs> That's I, nice. Shoe game, boom. You win. Loved it. But Kevin Keats is legit. He's showing an ability to recruit. Um, they've got a big transfer coming in from Missouri. I'm liking what NC State wanna, is doing. I'll, and it's not time to anoint them yet. But NC State, you have told me a million times over the years, Brandon, NC State is that monster that's asleep. In basketball and football, sleeping giant. And if you giant. wake it up, it's got a, it's got a lot of tools at its disposal. I wonder what else Keats is good at. You know he's a Here patino, we dis- go. You know he's Here a patino we go. disciple. See? And you that screamed about negative recruiting forever, you're just planting hey, the seeds. Just, Here I go. I'm Johnny Appleseed planting the seeds. I mean, That's he lame. might just have some hardware taken away from a few years That's, ago. I'm just saying. Uh, here we go, man. I'm just here kidding. I think here he's a great go. coach. Good for the ACC. Now, Virginia Duke. Duke took the L at home in a game that came down to a couple of possessions. Um, Robert, I know you didn't get a chance to see the game, but talk about Virginia. Uh, the last time you were here, I think that with an assist from me, we, we called that a garbage offense. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, it seems like this Virginia team, first of all, with DeAndre Hunter, the freshman there, seemed to have a little bit more explosiveness. And it seems as though Tony Bennett is a little less reluctant to let them run a little bit when they have a chance to break. Right. Any thoughts? One thing about UVA. Uh, they are not going to beat themselves. They remind me of the Patriots. You know what they're going to do. They're going to execute. They're not going to give up easy shots, yada, 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 yada. But they do what they do very well. The game's going to be in the 60s. If you get down eight, that's a lot to overcome against a team like that. But they are good at what they do. And I guess you have to recruit kids to fit that system because most kids don't want to play that type of ball nowadays. But they are hard to beat. They, they really cut off driving lanes to the paint. They're going to uh, force you into contested jump shots. Hard to beat teams shooting jump shots all night. All right, check us out on social media, at Cheap Seat Radio. We'll see you on the other side. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seat. All right, we're warmed up, ready to rock and roll now, talking a little hoops, and we uh talking about the Duke-Virginia matchup. Virginia slipped past Duke this weekend at Cameron, and we threw some numbers out there relative to the UNC-NC State matchup this past weekend, but the number for Virginia, Virginia now is 9-0 in conference play. It's the first time they've gotten a 9-0 since Ralph Sampson was there, That's 81. Now, to – Pivot back a little bit. I had a couple more numbers. I don't know why I'm all geeked out with the math and, and statistics today. But there was a stat flashed on screen 
during the NC State-UNC game, and it was kind of mind-blowing. And I, I talked to you about it, Brandon, after the fact, and you were like, I couldn't believe that either, given the kind of system they run. Barry and May right now are averaging 19 and 17 points, respectively. That's the first time, and, and they may or may not maintain that through the end of the season, but the last time that a team at UNC finished the regular season with two players averaging 119 points and 117 points was 84. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing that in 33, 34 years, there hasn't been a tandem at UNC that's averaged at least 17 and 19. That's that's You crazy. said it was Jordan and Perkins. Jordan and Perkins. Right? Yeah. And and that's the the part of it that really kind of defines this UNC team. Yeah, cuz originally I would have <laughs> if I had to guess, I would have said it would have been one of Roy's teams or the very late Dean's teams like uh Jameson and Carter or uh, Sheed and Stackhouse, I thought that would be a combination that maybe you said 17 points? Eclipse yeah, 17. 19 and 17. Being yeah, that's the pretty crazy, man. Yeah, anyway. Taking a lot What's of crazy shots. crazy is I don't think either one of those guys is a go-to guy. Hey, you're talking about Barry and May. Yeah, exactly. Correct? That's yeah. what that's what I was saying where this, this is what defines this UNC team right. is in years gone by, Barry or May would be a solid piece. Right. But for them, and Brandon, I know you're sick of hearing this, when when Luke May is your second option on offense, you're not a title contender. Right? Well, can I say something? This is what's funny about the Luke May thing, and we were talking about this. Luke May, if you stuck him on Gonzaga, he'd be getting Player of the Year awards. I mean, and I'm not – that's not a slight – That's a difference on, in conferences. No, I understand that. But if you just look at his stats and his game, the comment, like, if he's your go-to guy, maybe at Carolina, I can see that. But if you put him on – God, if you put him in at Purdue or something like that, they'd be going, Luke May, Naismith. But, but Brandon, that's, that's when, when you talk about the haves and the have-nots in college basketball, your Dukes and UNCs and Kentuckys and Arizona – they're, it's a different measuring stick. Right. And, you know, we look at Gonzaga, and when Gonzaga makes it to a finals or whatever the case might be, that's sort of a program-defining moment, whereas at those other schools, whether it be UCLA, Kentucky, the rest of them, that's the expectation. And I so, know no, that, this, but, is no, this is no – I have no beef with well, Luke Bay. Luke Bay's a nice ball player. Yeah. On my part, it's not a slight to these other programs either. I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying I think May's a lot better than he gets credit for. I mean – well, if you are, I, go I, ahead, Rock. I think his, we have the perspective perspective of looking at Carolina historically and the right. players they've produced yeah. and the amount of success they've had. And you've always been able to label that program by two or three guys on the floor. And we haven't done that in a few years with UNC. They've been good, but they haven't had a program-defining guy to go to. That is true. And, you know, Harrison Duke, Barnes. Duke's getting all the players now. Well, they are. Jeez. And and you're going to keep crying about it. And now you can't even say it's the, you know, the, the uh, negative recruiting. That's, I think, Robert makes a great point. When you look at UNC, who's rocking it out in the NBA that wore Tar Heel Blue right now? Vince Carter, baby, he's still doing it. 41. <laughs> he's 41. I, still doing it. I mean, Harrison Barnes is the closest contract. thing. 
Harris and 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 I will say this for anybody that that wants to hate on UNC, Harrison Barnes one of the most underrated scorers in the NBA. Right. But nobody's going to pretend that he's a superstar. Right. So Harrison Barnes over the course of the last how many years? Is it 10 now? I mean, when's Close. the last I, I really Brandon, you're not even assistant here. I, I, well, I appreciate mean, you. No, no you're, if you're talking about star player, star power in the NBA, the, how it translates to the NBA, yeah. I mean, we've signed. Lawson? I mean, Ray, Raymond eh. Felton's doing pretty good. Ray Felton's Oakland's. doing all right. He's hooking around. He's been Tyler Hasbro was awesome with the Pacers. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there a Zeller brother that went to UNC? If, yeah. How do you feel? Lots of them. Yeah, How do you feel? Know, what do you think Seven Phil Henderson did. thinks that he cold clocked him in college, and now they're doing a radio show together? Dude, I think if you sent uh, May to Purdue, he would be a a six man. Oh, what start. dude? Let me tell you something. When we're talking oh about God. Purdue, I, I, dude, Purdue is stacked. I, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to tell you right now. Hold their towel. Now we're talking about Purdue, and I appreciate you helping transition and get me you're back welcome. to where I wanted to yeah, get to. Yeah, thanks a lot for listen, that. Let's talk Duke, Purdue. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> if you're sleeping on Purdue, it, it's it, it's not a great idea. All right, Matt Painter is building a program there that is a lot like Virginia in that they don't beat themselves. They pass the ball well. The spacing is always you know, peerless. Um, they play hard. They play good defense. And I'm going to tell you what the only thing you need to know about Purdue. Last year, Caleb Swanigan was there and kind of carried that team on his back a little bit. And at a mid-level school like Purdue, no offense to any Boilermaker fans out there, but a mid-tier school like that, when you have that program-defining type guy – and Swanigan hasn't done much in the NBA, may never, but he was a great college basketball player. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, you can ride that guy, get a little bit of accolades, uh, move, up, move up in prominence just a little bit. They're better now than they were without Swanigan. And if you haven't seen Isaac Haas play basketball, America, watch Purdue. That dude is a freak of nature. Have you seen this guy, Brick? I have not. 7'2", 300 pounds. When he got there four years ago, he was just this gigantic kid that they kind of put in the paint. And not a whole lot of moves, not a whole lot of finesse, not good hands, not a whole lot to his game. Wasn't even a really highly heralded recruit coming out of Alabama. They, they got him up there at Purdue, and they have developed this kid. This guy is a giant and has the softest hands – and the best footwork for a kid that big I've, you're ever going to see. See, you but said, this is what Brandon is going to fight you. Well, no, I'm not. They, sure. haven't, they haven't played anybody yet, which uh, is true. Right yeah. now, looking at their schedule, they look like Wisconsin did in football. But they've got Ohio State That's right. on February 7th and then Michigan State on the 10th. So if they're for real – those are the two key games that they have to get through. And what are they sitting on and at this point? Is it 17 straight? Yep. 17 straight, I believe. Now, they took the two losses early. That was to Tennessee and uh, Western Kentucky. Yes. And from them, they've just kind of kept it rolling. But that Purdue team is good. And the Big Ten isn't very deep, but it does have some really good teams at the top of it there. If, if Purdue comes out of that as the Big Ten champ, pay attention to them. They'll be a one seed. And there are some teams that they are going to be a matchup nightmare for. 
Now, a Purdue Virginia game at some point during the tournament? I would love it. I don't that know if I can suffer through that. Dude, attrition. it would be yeah. it would be like thirty nine <laughs> to thirty four. Now yeah. Jason Williams declared on TV they were going to win the national championship. Who? Yes, he did. Who? Jason Purdue? Jason J. Williams. Said Purdue was? He did, and it's I'm going to tell you, they are a very well-coached team. They play great defense. They shoot the ball well, and inside they have a pair of bigs that are a matchup. They're, they're a nightmare. Jay also said he would take Michael Porter Jr. with the number one overall pick in the NBA. <laughs> that's, clowing, that's trolling for clicks on the internet, I believe. Right. I, I don't believe I, so I don't know, and I'm going to ask the expert. All right. All right. We, Let me go. Let's get ready. <laughs> we've seen Marvin Bagley step into the ACC and probably be the best player on the floor in every game that he's played at Duke. Coming out of high school, it's it's funny that we want to revise history and everybody's saying, well, yeah, Bagley was number one. No, he wasn't. Michael Porter Jr. was the number one player in the country. We've heard about Michael Porter Jr. for three years. If you're sitting – in an, in an NBA front office, is there any way that you can't take Bagley number one in the NBA draft? Yes. What's the kid's name at Texas? Bamba? Uh-oh. What's the uh, seven-foot kid? He's, wow. a, he's a beast. Interesting. Uh, scores well, oh. rebounds well. I think he leads the nation in block shots. He could be the number one pick. He's a uh, true center, which the league has gone away from, but he's a guy that can really affect the game. So, But do you think that would hurt him because the league has gone away from that true center? That was a uh, really nice, polite way of saying, guys, again, I know more basketball. (laughs) No, no, no. No, you, you posed a great question. And I saw the kid play. I was like, wow, he could be a number one pick. Okay. Muhammad Bamba. I love it. Muhammad Bamba. Bamba. He's a freshman, 6'11". You're all over it, man. I have not even heard his name uttered this He's year. a game changer. I did watch a Texas game earlier, and yeah. I totally – I didn't even – I've seen Texas play a couple, yeah. a couple times this year, and I must not have as keen an eye as you. I was not unimpressed and actually – after one of those Texas games, I think it was a Texas win against West Virginia, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I told Brandon, "You watch out. Shaka Smart's got a nice program down there. He's got some youth coming in. And Shaka Smart, when he was hired at Texas, I think people expected miracles. Right. You know, Shaka Smart was this guy that was talked about for every major job that came open for years. Finally decided to go to Austin. And this is the first team I've seen at Texas where I was like, Okay. Well, maybe that's All kind right. of why he hasn't hit my radar as much because it looks like Shaka might have turned him loose the last couple of games. Right. I think he averages around 13 points per game in the last two games against Iowa State, 24 points, Ole Miss, 25. That's high scoring for a college player for sure. Well, I think Shaka had a system that was successful in the conference. And oh, he was at uh, – not older man. He was at VCU. And wait, wait, did we all know more about that one thing in just that moment? That one that thing. One moment? That one yes. thing. Yes. High fives, everybody. Yeah. But he he wasn't going to be able to duplicate that at Texas. Now he's getting it. players in place to be successful. All right. We'll see you on the other side. Got another half hour if you listen on WDCC. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins 
on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. That it would be 6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow. But what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. I got money, I got fame, fast cars and everything. Yeah. I'm on a dance, I gotta sing, a rock song. So that intro right there, a little aggressive, a little rock and roll music, and a little howling in the microphone. I, I guess I, the natural progression is to talk about the WWE. <laughs> Ronda. Did you get your homework for this? Did you get ready? Ronda Rousey. And I don't know which I'm more upset about. Rowdy That a Rousey. legitimate superstar athlete in America and at one point, she was one of the biggest names in American sports. I don't know if I'm more upset that she has gone and sold her soul to Vince McMahon or if I'm upset that she's just such a bad actress. Have you seen any of the stuff that she's done with them as far as promos for this yet? No. Dog. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't listen to any of it. I do know that Roddy Roddy Piper's son gave her – his leather jacket to wear out yesterday at the uh, Royal Rumble. Is Rowdy Roddy Piper's son 11 years old? Because that's about the only way a jacket would fit her. She's tiny relative to the rest of these ladies. Okay, I, allow me to it's be a It's unwatchable, her dialogue. <laughs> they need to like – her shtick, she needs to be the mute – Right. That should be the thing. No lines. That's no your, lines. That's your problem, Chris. Like, you probably also read Playboy for the articles, right? <laughs> Listen, like, what do you really come from? What, well, wait. I'm just saying, she's there to look good. And no, she's there because she was one of the premier combat sports women figures ever. Just wait till McGregor joins her. Then what are you going to say? Right. Uh, here, oh, because look, Ronda Rousey, I'm not. I'm not going to take a thing away from her because for a four, a three or four year period, she was unbeatable. Hold on for a second. Hold on. Hold on. So that's why Billie Jean King got the in, invite to WWE. Right? Like, I mean, Ronda Rousey's there because she's smoking hot, bro. And that, and she's yeah, she's a world class athlete. But they ain't inviting any ugly people, bro. I mean, come on, man. That's what that's about. 
No, wow. she, she's a huge name. The caddishness of this <laughs> program just shot through the roof. And I actually had a conversation with my wife this morning about some things we're going to talk about in the second hour. And she was like, dude, watch yourself. But you just went full on. But we'll, uh, okay, I'm not going to dispute that Ronda Rousey is an attractive like young lady. Like Mitch wouldn't be tuning in if Garoppolo was on WWE. Dude, hey. You got me. Okay. You got me. I don't even know what to say. But I'm going to say this. Since we're talking about Vince McMahon and the WWE, the XFL is coming back. And I'm not going to lie. I'm really fired up about that. (laughs) I'm I'm dead serious, guys. Dead serious. Look, I was at opening day in Birmingham when the XFL did this first time around. It was awesome. It was really a lot of fun. And it was like being at a rock concert. Okay, but there was football going on. Explain to me. He said it was going to be family friendly. What does that mean? It means that they're not going to have half naked cheerleaders in the aisles going down to the field. And he says that now, but don't believe it because when it's all said and done, Vince McMahon is who he is. Okay. Second issue, they were a little bit out of control with their style of play. What about the safety issues now? That's. The thing that I'm looking at, and that's where I think the difference is going to come, is I think there is a significant contingent in America of football fans who they're numb to this whole thing. They're tired of it with the player safety issues and how it's caused the game to be officiated. I think what you're going to see is a game in the XFL where, first of all, the quarterbacks aren't wearing red jerseys underneath their their game day jerseys. Okay, you're actually going to be able to hit them as if they were a normal participant in the game. I think that you're going to see real pass defense down the field where you can't breathe on a receiver right now. I think there's I think there's a market for it. I think there's people that want to that want to see that. And I'll be honest with you, the demise of the XFL 1.0 was their TV deal. And NBC could not get it right. Well, I think another issue that they have is when they came out with this league, the NFL picked off like the handful of players that were any good. Like, so how do you retain like Tommy Maddox that ended up going to the Steelers? Um, Bob, what was his name? Rod Smart. He hate me. He hate me. Maybe, maybe that's how McMahon makes it more family friendly. Instead of he hate me, it's well, you kind of like me <laughs> on his back of his jersey. But no, my, my point is like. How do you – are you doing this, Vince McMahon, just to make enough noise for the NFL have to buy you out, kind of like the USFL? Um, or are you – have the ability to, to maintain and keep some of those talented players? Because eventually, especially – are they going to offset their season with the NFL or are they going to coexist? They're going to offset in that they're going to start in January about the time of the Super Bowl. So they'll crank it up as the Super Bowl is coming out. And what they're banking on is that Americans are hungry enough for football that they'll continue to watch. Now, a couple of points. Will the XFL try to lock their players up and keep them from the NFL? I would say absolutely the opposite. I think that every player that gets picked off of an XFL roster that goes to the NFL gives them a little bit more validity, and that will be sort of their thing. You know, see these guys you know, before they come stars – or it's a chance for these guys to go to get redemption. Josh Gordon didn't play pro football for a year. 
Josh Gordon was physically talented enough to play football. I think that you will see the XFL serve as sort of a rehab assignment for these guys to go out there and showcase their talents. I'm going to tell you right now, if Johnny Manziel puts on a uniform for an XFL team, people want to watch him play. I didn't play. even think about, about Colin that. That's a good one. Colin Kaepernick would be playing in the XFL. Or what about enough premier, there are enough premier names out there that they can get this right. And who out there wouldn't want to see Grayson Allen tackled? <laughs> as hard as anybody could possibly tackle. Well, and Ronda Rousey could suit up. I don't know. She could you know, be an I, owner. I, I think he's taking a smart approach. He's giving it a two-year run-up. Uh, he's invested a lot of his own money. $100 million. I, this that's year. a lot. And if he can figure out the right markets – and not try to fill NFL stadiums. Yes, sir. And you and you cater to a certain uh, part of the community. I think it could be successful. I'd go because I like football and I like live events, especially if they have Cerveza. And, yeah. and, and, and I See. promise there will be plenty of Cerveza. But here's the thing. We've talked about this, Brandon, that if the NFL had it to do over again and could have seen into the future, Charlotte would probably not have been the natural fit for the Carolina Panthers. Raleigh would have been a better location. It's I mean, less I'm sure competitive with all the other these markets that are out there. That, but, that existed back then, but it was a short-sighted decision. Like maybe it, right then and there, Charlotte was the, the yeah, place. Yeah, for sure. But Raleigh, I mean, I guess who could see Raleigh, the triangle, exploding the way it has? But it puts it, you know, like we were talking about it, if you live like on the eastern part of the state, you're spending six hours to get to an NFL, NFL game. Yeah. Nobody's doing that. I don't even – if I go to a Panthers game, I'm getting a hotel. You know, you add all these expenses. Right. I'm not trying to drive back in that traffic sure. um, back east. Well, and it, there's some other things, too. There, It's not as if Raleigh is the only underserved market. St. Louis. St. Louis has been a home for football and supported it and gotten a shaft on a couple of occasions. San Antonio. How San Antonio doesn't have a second pro sports franchise there is beyond me. What about Charlotte, you know, having the, the football team, if you gotta look no further than the Carolina Hurricanes. Like everybody did not think hockey was gonna work in this market. And it's central, it's the only game in town. It's where Carolina and Duke fans and state fans can come right. together and cheer for a common cause, which doesn't happen that much in a college market. And they just missed the mark. I don't know if that's where you're going with that no, or not. That's, that's my thing, is that you've got these cities that are underserved in terms of pro sports, and Robert hit it on the head. If they want to go chasing NFL, net, or NFL markets and try to plug these teams into the same facilities and the same markets that these NFL teams play, it's to their own demise. Yeah, and look at Cleveland. I think they could have a professional football team. That's yeah. an excellent point. That's or, an excellent point. That's, or, a, that's a community that's been more starved for good football right. than any other in the country. Brandon, I think this is more – Chris DeLambert putting his application in to be in the voice of the ex-NFL than anything. Listen, if Vince is listening, I'm your guy. I'm your guy. And I don't need to be on the, I don't need to be on on team one. I don't need to be the Joe Buck with Troy Aikman or Jim Nance with Tony Romo. I'll be the Iron Eagle. Of your broadcast team. You've got five games a week you're going to show. I'll do whichever one. I don't you care. Be mean if, you put a, if you put a team in <laughs> Pierre, South Dakota, 
I'm there, dude. Well, back I'm to, there. I'm there early. I'm working hard. I got you, bro. The boys. Back to one of Robert's point that you that you expanded on in terms of the safety. I think that first of all, you're never going to take injury out of football, no matter how hard you try, unless you just don't play it. Right. And I understand the effort to constantly try to improve in that area, but I think people like Joe Six, me and Joe Sixpack, who likes to watch football, I kind of think the game has gotten kind of almost flag footballish. You know what I mean? And we love the big hits. That's that's what I said. I'm, well, that's what I'm expanding on what you expanded on what Robert. What was about this, Chris? Right. What happens if that's teamwork? They're able to take college kids before the Early. NFL are. That's that's a tricky subject, but it it is a possibility. And you've got some of these kids where it's been suggested. You know, why don't they? So, Leonard Fournette. Fournette, there was a there was a huge cry from the public and in the press. Why is he even going to play another year? Why doesn't he just sit out right. and wait and be one of the top ten picks in the NFL? If there's a chance for this guy to go collect money and cash some of Vince McMahon's checks, maybe they'll At do 20. it. You've got it, these uh, kids that are getting kicked out of school. The NFL doesn't want any piece of them. I I don't know. Isn't LeVar Ball still starting a – Development league. In Why, the NFL. Yes, yes, he is. Wow, he, he's, he's undefeated. He's never lost. He never is. Lost. And I got, I got more Lonzo and Lavar Ball material than I know what to do with, and we'll get to it. But before we do, here's the other thing that the XFL will do. Vince McMahon has been in the sports media business and has more experience than any of these NFL executives. The NFL's model for distribution is old and it's stale. And more and more people across the country are cutting the cord and they're not willing to shell out the $400 plus it costs for the NFL season ticket. That's the bottom line. The NFL doesn't get it. The press that's covering doesn't get it. They're, oh, well, people are so upset about the national anthem that ratings are down. No, ratings are down because millennials are like, you want me to pay how much for that? Right. No, no. And no, I'm not going to pay X number of dollars for service with Charter or DirecTV or whatever. And so if it's not it's on our local. our demographic that's sitting and watching television. If you're 30 and under, you're not watching television. No. You're watching iPhone, iPad, laptop. You're, like you say, you're cutting the cord. And, and so they've gotten away from the traditional cable package. When it's just like my two daughters got in trouble for not cleaning their rooms. They both have TVs in their room. I was like, all right, I'm, your TVs are gone. They're like, and? All right, cool. They don't, yeah. like, they my don't daughter care. will sit in front of the television with an iPad exactly. and watch the iPad and not the television. <laughs> you're absolutely, that is a real thing. And as more of us in our age group figure out what our kids already know, it's going to hurt them more and more. The distribution systems that are in place for some of these pro sports leagues don't make any sense anymore. And when I go, and I'm telling you, in 2020, I don't know if it's going to be Hulu. I don't know if it's going to be Facebook Live. I don't know if it's going to be YouTube. But I will guarantee you that Americans will have free access to all five games every single week for the XFL on demand, a la carte, however they want it. And I don't know if it's, again, Hulu or if it's something we've never heard of yet because that's how quickly the technology is changing. And the distribution system for the XFL is about 100% the same as it was six or seven years ago. They've not caught up. MLB sees the writing on the wall. 
Now they're partnering with YouTube. They're trying to get those games in front of as many eyes as possible. And I think MLB is aware that me as a Cincinnati Reds fan or Trent as a New York Mets fan, we don't want to pay for every game, 162 games, every doggone team in the league. I'm not going to go watch right. the Orioles play the Rangers. The I don't MLB. Care. The MLB does have it, and you mentioned YouTube. Remember what they did by putting the YouTube button right behind the plate. Well, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Last segment coming for WBCC. Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. To From the Cheap Seats, I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and Robert Bricky is hanging out. We've been uh, all over the place, from college hoops to XFL with a little Ronda Rousey in between. And I asked the question during the break, is there anybody of the four grown men sitting at this table right now that thinks that they could beat Ronda Rousey in a fight? Brandon Atkins. I told you right off the bat, no hesitation. I was like, heck no. No, you cannot beat her in a fight. I couldn't. Trent, any chance? No way. No? No, I'd be – she would beat me quicker than – it would be 10 seconds. Boom. It would be like – yeah, it would be be ugly. Brick, you're – you are a – I don't know if once you're a world-class athlete, if you're ever a former world-class athlete. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes. I can answer that for you. Yeah, all right. So you're, you're not no, interested no in fighting chance. her either? I'm, I'm buying her a beer. I'm going to sit down and have a discussion about world issues. <laughs> I'm not going to get killed. I like it. All right. All right. I'll I mean, stay. yeah, you got to show the proper respect for these athletes. And, and you don't really know until you're almost right in front of them right. and see what they can do. Like, it's the difference between watching a football game – up in the stands versus right there on the sideline, then you really get a good glimpse. These of, guys are big. I mean, they're <laughs> fast, just and they fast. Hard. And that's I would say that's probably one of my. I've been to one MMA event and I was way up in the cheap seats, 
from the cheap seats. Nice. And you just can't get a good feel unless you're right there. You know, you gotta you take a punch. No way, man. Once you feel how hard she could punch, I've never been punched like that. Okay. I, I Chris, what you, about you? You've never answered. You're going to beat her? No. There's no way. No. No, but I... I It'd be fun trying, though. See... I've got my money on you, Chris. I would see, be... Davis, Davis Stern and I. See, I would David be Stern, dancing Adam like Silver. McGregor and doing all this fancy stuff, but she would come in at me and I'd be done. But listen, if I could get the better of her in the first, like, 15... I feel like if I could get my hands on her... Do you know how many okay. women she have said that? She may run around the ring for more than about 15 seconds and be over. Chris, you know how many women move. women have said that before you said that? <laughs> you don't. If I could just get my hands on the Ronda, Ronda Rousey. Rousey if, Ronda Rousey, if you're out there, I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out. Oh, my God. I would, <laughs> pay, this on pay-per-view. I would pay good money to see this go down. I mean, good money. I mean, here's, here's the thing. I'm just playing. I don't want to fight Ronda Rousey. <laughs> Floyd Mayweather, remember they had the beef going back and forth. Floyd Mayweather, Ronda Rousey, whatever. And Floyd is a, a not a, a great big guy. But there were actually people who were like, Ronda Rousey could beat Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> Come on. She could probably get him grappling. Come on. Right. Grappling if he started on his back. Yeah, maybe. Dude, come on. I mean, eventually. That's just, that's crazy talk. These guys, these brilliant uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu mixed martial arts, don't underestimate what these folks can do. Like, if she got him on the back. I mean, this is a guy that's a boxer. No. He runs. Dog. I, I'm just saying, like, I think you're shortchanging these How did athletes. Ronda Rousey lose? She got popped in the face Ronda by Rousey, a boxer you're, girl. Here's the thing. Oh, she got and beat it, in every facet of the game that time. Though. Exactly, but oh, yeah. it started with being popped right in the face right in the beginning. Mayweather just has to punch. Yeah. Now, he doesn't like to punch, but he could probably land a punch. Okay. Because what Trent says, I've never been punched as hard as Ronda Rousey I never would have. punch. Yeah. I promise Ronda Rousey's never been punched as hard as Floyd Mayweather would punch her. Yeah. I mean, her trying to shoot and, and do some sort of takedown. Dude, Floyd Mayweather has has been the greatest one of the greatest boxers in history, not allowing people to, like, touch him. How's right. she going to shoot and take him down? I don't know. Anyway, Dude, I used I to know, say— Why are we talking about Ronda Rousey fighting— I used to you say, how'd that happen? If you, you paid me a million bucks to fight Mike Tyson, it would take one punch to kill me. <laughs> My whole face would explode. Hey, man, Mike Tyson. But it would be a million bucks. I would do it Mike, any day of the week. Mike, Mike Tyson, Tyson. You just he, said it would kill Yes. Him. It would well. I wouldn't be dead, dead, but but it dude, would Mike kill Tyson's me. not a fighter anymore, man. He's in the weed business. Now. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He's all mellow. Listen, we owe our WDCC listeners at least five minutes talking about the Super Bowl. Okay. All right, that's just fair. Yes. In my adult life, I cannot remember a Super Bowl matchup that was less exciting and less talked about than this one right here. Anybody want to challenge that statement? What was the Trent Dilfer Baltimore? Who did they play? See? No, I think That was less exciting. It's a See, movie. We can't even remember that. It's a movie we've all seen before, right? Right. And so even if it's a really good movie, if you've already seen it a couple of times, 
it just can't get your motor running. You know what I mean? It's and, like Alabama Clemson. Who wants to watch and, that again? And the only reason I'm <laughs> well, everybody tunes in to the Super Bowl because it's an event. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. But, but you know. I'll be pulling hard for Philly to win. I don't think they've won some uh, championship since what 30 40 years. Um 30 40 They've never, never won a Super Bowl. They've never won one. Never. Okay. They've never won a Super Bowl. I think they yes. won an NFL championship or whatever that I'm was. I'm sure they did back in the 40s. I don't think they were around Oh, that like long, 30 40 right. years ago. Okay. Like no, said. the 40s that was like oh, 70 40s. years ago. <laughs> but my point is is that what's most likely to happen is the Patriots are going to win, and we're all going to go ho-hum. Tom yeah. Brady's really good at football. Belichick's all the greatest coach ever. All you can hope for is ever. that somebody's got unbelievable chicken wings and really yes. cold beer. Yes. Yes. And then really, if you've got great fellowship, it doesn't matter because I, I'm not even concerned about the game. I you just, know who has really great chicken wings and really cold beer? <laughs> <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings. Right here in Sanford, baby. <laughs> I've just come up with a drinking game, okay? All right. Oh. Anytime Robert Bricky mentions beer, you got to take a shot. <laughs> Whether it could be a short he's, night, he's gone cerveza, beer, cold one with Ronda Rousey. It's a, a cold theme. beverage. It's a yeah. theme. All right. So this Super Bowl, Carson Wentz's injury changes the whole dynamic of this game. I think that if it was Wentz versus Brady, this is your upstart. Is this a chance for things to, you know, turn and and the new new school quarterbacks kind of get their, you know, get their their momentum going? I think the NFL got cheated out of the matchup that Americans really, oh, whether they knew it or not, wanted yeah. to see. Imagine the hype had Wentz been playing versus. Oh, without a Whatever doubt. His name is. You're talking about Andy. Yeah, Nick Foles. You're talking Foles. about Andy Dalton, right? Yeah. yeah. No, but that's Drew what everybody wants to see. I mean, that would Drew be Brees. an amazing lead up to the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carson Wentz versus Tom Brady. That's a heavyweight fight people want to see. the The matchup I'm talking about though is the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. And the Saints lost on a miracle play to Minnesota. Minnesota got knocked off by Philly. But I think America deserved to have Breeze Brady in a game that mattered. Yeah. Those are two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Obviously, Brady's on another level, but when you look at it statistically and the fact that people forget he does have a Super Bowl ring, Breeze Brady would have been epic. Yeah, remember uh, Manning Breeze? Yeah, that's that was what like I'm saying. an epic matchup. I mean, these are the games, and obviously, you never had a Manning Brady Super Bowl, but you had them in AFC title games. You had them in games that mattered. Breeze and Brady have never played a game against one another that meant anything, and this would have been a great way, and not necessarily a capper to their career because they may both play till they're fifty. I don't know; these guys don't show any signs of slowing down. But the Brady Breeze matchup is the one America should have gotten in this year, and we didn't. Good job, Minnesota, with the, you know the Stefan Diggs catch. We never did come up with a name for that. But Nick Foles, Tom Brady, come on. Now, that said, could this be a reset of Brady versus Kurt Warner? Because if we think back, the Rams went into that Super Bowl as an absolutely prohibitive favorite, there was no chance, no chance in the world 
that the Rams were going to get knocked off by a New England team led by Tom Brady, who was only in there because of the injury to Bledsoe. Nick Foles has his chance to rewrite history. And I'm going to tell you this, this stat is bananas. Nick Foles now in three postseason games has the highest super or excuse me, highest passer rating ever. Ever among postseason quarterbacks. It's 122. Hmm. If Foles comes out, and I, I said before that I think that the NFC championship game wasn't a good indicator because there were just blown coverages everywhere and Foles was throwing the ball over top of everybody to wide open receivers. I can't imagine New England's going to do that. But Foles, maybe he pulls off a miracle. WDCC, thanks for listening. Follow us over to the internet. You can find us in the iTunes podcast app. We're all over the place at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. Welcome to the second hour from the cheap seats. WBLZ listeners, we appreciate you making it into the second hour. If you're listening and you came over from radio, thanks. And if you're just uh, checking out the podcast, we appreciate that too. Um... Five-star reviews will be read on the air. And if we read it on the air, eh, we'll give you a T-shirt. How do you like that? Um, so, I want to talk about Lonzo Ball. Is anybody else? <laughs> you guys with me? No? If, if we have. It's all right. We're going to it. Anyway. Well, where are you? Another example of the media Dude. perpetuating a bad story. Well, the story at this point, LeVar Ball has has gone on record and say he said that he has a master plan. Have you seen what's going on? I don't want to know. So, <laughs> Leangelo, who who people have talking to calling Jello Ball. <laughs> I can't even get through this. Should I stop you now? <laughs> yeah. Should, well, this, the plan is we're starting is to go sideways. Leangelo is going to play out the year in Lithuania with this club. And then he's going to sign with the Lakers. And I thought about it and I was like, well, if it's all it takes is to put a plan together like that, I've got four daughters who are not unathletic. I'm just going to have one of my daughters sign with the Lakers too. 
Minneapolis. If that's all it Lakers. takes is you have to say that's going to happen. First of all, we said this last time I was here, they're <laughs> not good enough. And sometimes parents can't understand because they're their child. I get it. But they're not good enough. He couldn't play at UCLA. I got you. So how is it that this gets any run at all? Well, he just says, yeah, LiAngelo's going to play with the Lakers next year, and LaMelo is going to stay until 2020 until he's draft eligible. And then, of course, he's going to play for the Lakers. Too he right. also said he was going to sell some sneakers. How's that working out for I, I don't know. I don't know. I will Triple say. Triple F rating by the Better <laughs> Business Bureau. All kinds of complaints about the product being sold but not delivered. Wrong sizes being shipped. Wrong yeah. shoes being shipped. They're like, there's a video on YouTube you got to look at where this guy finally gets his after about 18 months. And he they just he's like size 11. They said I'm like a 13. <laughs> And apparently they were making the same size and just shipping out whatever they could. And they, he says even the felt, he goes, this felt part, and he's feeling it. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not kidding. It's real just felt like you would do an arts and craft with. That's just embarrassing. And poor, poor Giannis, the Greek freak, Magic Johnson said that Ball was going to break all of his records. Now Magic said Giannis is going to go and win a title with the Bucks. That may be true, but I wouldn't want him talking about me. If that's the extent of your basketball knowledge, I'm like, keep that mojo off of me. Now, to, to a little interlude here, the NBA All-Star Game is coming up. And the All-Star Game for the NBA, they've added a twist. And they took all the All-Stars, they put them into a bucket, and they had LeBron and Kevin Durant choose the teams. No, Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Steph Curry, my fault. Instead of playing conference against conference. Now, for the NBA, I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea because I don't know that anybody – it's not really an East-West rivalry. This isn't a Tupac Biggie situation where it's West Coast versus East Coast, I don't think. So I don't think anybody's rooting loyalties lie with a particular conference. Couldn't do it in baseball. Because you definitely have American League fans and National League fans, even though baseball keeps trying to kill that with interleague play. But this weekend, the NHL demonstrated, not for the first time, hey, NBA, this is how you do an all-star game when they played their three-on-three tournament. And for those of you that don't know, because there's plenty of hockey-ignorant people in the world, each of the four divisions – has their own all-star team. And those teams play in a three-on-three tournament. The, was it the Atlantic one? The Atlantic one. Yes, the Atlantic one in a blowout in the uh, in the final game. No, 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 I'm sorry. The Pacific, Pacific one. Yeah, yeah, the Pacific, Pacific beat the one. Atlantic. Yep. See, hockey ignorant people, even at this table. But it was exciting. It was fun. It was cool. The fans dug it. I don't know what they were thinking about when they trotted Kid Rock out in between the second and third periods, <laughs> but whatever. It might as well be a – it is fun. It's 3v3, but it might as well be a shootout because there's zero defense being played. Well, it should so be, but the, the All-Star game itself, you're not going to – there's no checking going on in the All-Star game in the old format. So Actually, this there was, was a penalty called last there night. There was a penalty. There was a trip. And the, it was first the first time in like time, two years. Yeah, this is the third year they've done this, right, Trent? Yeah. 
And this was the first time a penalty had been called. But it was and, a high was, stick to Brad Marchand, and he tried to get the four-minute penalty. Yes, he did. Fudging yeah. it up and thinking <laughs> he was hurt worse. And that was beautiful. Unlike any other event in hockey, I think this really gave these guys a chance to showcase their skills. And the speed of it was what really got me because it was almost like watching an NBA game in the middle of the season where their offense is just ISO and these guys take each other one-on-one. And some of the moves were so quick. It's like, oh, my God, how did that happen? But I think it was a great showcase. I think it's a great format. And if we took the NBA and did the same format and had four teams or six teams or eight teams that played a three-on-three matchup, I think it would be a lot of fun. Instead, we're relegated to watching LeBron's team and Steph's team go out, play no defense, and put about 160 points on each other, and nobody will remember five minutes later who won this thing. If they did it and put up $2 million for the winning team, I don't even know if well, that would – I don't even know if that would – move the needle for these NBA players, but I think it would be a great format. I say all of this to get back to the dunk contest. There are names being thrown around in this dunk contest, and I have no faith that any of these guys that are being bandied about as potential contestants are going to get in. Why doesn't the NBA exert more pressure on its stars to compete in the slam dunk contest because I'm going to tell you, if Giannis is not in the dunk contest, it's not worth watching. Robert Bricky, you would absolutely 100% qualify as the from the cheap seats slam dunk expert. So I would like your two cents as to why LeBron and Westbrook and the rest of these guys, and they say Steph Curry is one heck of a dunker. In practice, oh, no, why won't any goal. of these named guys compete in the dunk contest? I don't think they have anything to gain by it. You care the dunk title. That used to mean something. Now, nobody cares. Nobody knows. So I think for them it's not worth their time. They want to spend time with their family or friends or have a night out prior to the All-Star game instead of spending an entire day getting ready for this contest. That's lost a lot of the luster from the 70s and early 80s. Who won last year? Exactly. Exactly. I'm trying to think, was it Zach Levine last year? Two years ago, there was an epic battle in the finals between Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine. But the problem was, is at the time, nobody knew who Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon were. Right. Unless you were a hardcore NBA fan. And I think you said that it's lost its luster. I don't know which came first. When the Jordans and Dominiques quit competing in the 80s, I think that was the beginning of the end for it. And there were some great moments. Remember D. Brown with the pumps? Mm-hmm. That Remember, was, cool. um, was it uh, Dwight Howard? Superman. The Superman. There have been some great moments. but Bud it's Webb? Just, but it's that was right in the middle of the That was, that was in the midst of the whole thing. Yeah. I, I, since then, you know, so that's why, that's why Michael Jordan will always be better than LeBron James. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, don't, don't that there's what we call baiting. And Brandon's, <laughs> I don't know what he's doing with his iPad, but he's uh, not paying any attention to you. I mean, I mean that's, it's all played out. Well, all played out. I sent the, the whole – we're not going down the Jordan thing. Jordan was a fierce competitor who got beat up. I showed – I sent you a video. 
about how Detroit beat him up. His toughness is, I think, kind of what separates right. LeBron. And players are allowed to whine to the ref, ref so much more these days. You used to have to be like a superstar to be able to command a, a exactly. ref's attention. And now some 13th man off the bench can come in and start barking at a ref. Well, they're having a meeting to try to bridge that and uh, build a better relationship with the refs because the refs have had it. They're tired of being picked on. I'll tell you what. I'd like to see in preseason, just to see how it worked out, I'd like to see these guys call a game the way basketball is called 95% of the other places it's played where the guys call their own fouls. I'd like to see how that worked out. I mean, just and I don't. I wouldn't propose that this be like a season long thing, but take a couple of these preseason games and let these guys call their own fouls. What do you think about that, Brick? I like it because that's the way I grew up, and guys generally are not going to make bad calls. They're going to call it when it's usually a reason to make a call. But I, I like the idea. I think you ought to call the commissioner on that one. I got that, Adam Silver. Actually, we've got it. We've got an in with Adam Silver. Let's see if we can exploit that and get his number. Well, you know what? That could be neat. They're not. There's no incentive for these guys to come back, but wouldn't it be great if past players could come in and ref the game? I mean, there's just not enough money. People who actually know the game. Look, I know I'm not stupid. There's a difference between my knowledge level and Robert Brickey's. There's a difference between my knowledge level and Chris DeLambert. Uh, he knows more sports than most people that I even know, right? So to take an accountant and put them in stripes and run them out there, like right. it's kind of hard, especially this new this new wave of NBA refs are about as bad as I've ever I seen. I couldn't agree more. I mean, if you think back into the heyday of the NBA in the in the seventies and eighties, there obviously are calls that we look at and we're like, ah, whatever. But by and large, they called the game consistently. And that's the problem right now is the consistency. And that's why when a travel is called, everybody on the floor is like, really? It's been happening all night and you chose right now to call this thing. You know, there's no consistency when it comes to what is an offensive foul. It really is badly called, and the fact that it is such a focal point in the game right now is a disappointment, and there's got to be a fix. I mean, there's got to be quality referees down at the college level or whatever. I don't know. What do they need to – what's what's the answer? I think part of it is I used to think when I was in college all referees should be former players because they understand the speed and athleticism and physical nature of the game, whereas, as you mentioned – an accountant is not going to understand how hard I can bump a guy and not call it. So I always thought referees should have at least have played to a particular level. Kevin Durant has been ejected from four games this year. I mean, growing up, his name would have been Dennis Rodman. Nobody that superstar caliber right. has Whatever been ejected from that. Exactly. And one games. of the reason was because his attitude was poor. What? I mean, it's out of control. Now, speaking of poor attitudes, and and I promise for those of you that are wondering at home, I do have some more Lonzo Ball takes as we move forward. God, people, we tried to get them off of it. I know, right? But as we talk about bad attitudes, Boogie Cousins, who is – one of the most fearsome men in the NBA, went down with a torn Achilles this weekend. 
that to me is enormous. Not just because of the impact it has on Boogie Cousins and the career that he's putting together, but also because what it means for the New Orleans Pelicans. The Pelicans were on the fringe and had said publicly they were committed to trying to improve that team to make a push to get deep into the playoffs this year. At this point, that might sound like a good line for the communications office with the New Orleans Pelicans to put out there, but it's not going to happen. Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday by themselves, not enough to really push the upper crust in the Western Conference. The question becomes, though, does this impact their propensity to deal Anthony Davis? This year is a wash. They're not going anywhere. They may qualify as the eight seed out west, and they'll get bounced in the first round. Do they try to parlay Anthony Davis into an enormous haul that would allow them to reshape that team, or do they redouble their efforts to extend Anthony Davis, get DeMarcus Cousins back in the fold, and build that twin tower offense moving forward? We'll examine that on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey, Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on. Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back. I thought uh, I thought we were gonna pick me up there. Chris, are you okay, man? Man, I think I just uh, had a moment. <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, there we go. And I had a I had a headphone issue. Oh, okay. I didn't even realize that we were we were on, but we're good, I guess. All right. So Boogie Cousins, Boogie is a guy that is no doubt a centerpiece you could build a franchise around when he's healthy. The timing of this Achilles injury, you're looking you're looking best-case scenario six months before he's back, which is getting up close to next season. Boogie, Contra- Boogie Cousins, I feel bad about calling a grown man that is his size and scope Boogie, but whatever. DeMarcus Cousins, he's not under contract after this season. What does this mean? Well, you brought up Anthony Davis. Is now the time to trade him? That was the question you posed going into the break. That was the initial question, yeah, yeah. So – my question back to you is, if not now, when? Like, they are sitting at number six in the Western Conference right now. They're not going to make the playoffs without Boogie Cousins. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they may. But let's say, you know, remember Charles Barkley used to have the old saying, if the worst place you can be is just barely making the playoffs in the NBA. Yeah, t- certainly. And certainly. if Anthony Davis is at the peak of, this ga- of his game and – you may not see him being with your team 
for let's say the next eight nine seasons, I'd say go ahead. You're not you're not you're gonna limp into whatever you do without Boogie this year. So if you're gonna do it ever, might as well go ahead and rebuild with Anthony Davis. Now, some people would think that crazy that's crazy because he's so doggone good. Like he's almost a once in a lifetime big these days. But yeah, I mean, if you're gonna do it, do it, I would make a move now because if you limp into the playoffs or just barely miss the cut every year, you never improve your team. I'm, I'm gonna take the opposite position, okay? Because I think it's hard to get superstars in New Orleans. You've got two now. Yes, hold on to them. I think it's easier to add a piece than to trade Davis and try to get additional pieces. So I say build on what you have because you've already got two superstars at home now. Well, and the upside to that is if you go that route, because they're your own players that you're re-signing, they can pay them a little bit more, they get a little bit of cap relief. Now they may or may not, depending upon how you look at it, have a third piece already. Drew Holiday is a nice ball player. I would I would like to change my answer to what Robert Brookie said. <laughs> and, and you know, and I'm saying that kind of jokingly, but I'm you know, I'm in Charlotte country. Who who else would under, not understand that any better? You know, right. we have a hard time getting a star here. Right. And Anthony Davis has essentially come out and said, I want to stay here. So yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. And and I think maybe maybe my way of doing this if I were running the Pelicans organization. Would to have be would be to have Anthony Davis put his money where his mouth is. If you're going, if you're willing to sign a long term extension, then let's do this. We will keep this core intact. We'll get Boogie back, and we'll build this thing, and we'll try to move forward. We'll try to add a piece. The problem New Orleans has had for the last couple of years is wing play, which is bananas. Because in the NBA, we've talked about this a million times. A six six guy that can create his own shot and score, they, they fall off trees. And New Orleans just can't seem to find anybody that can stay healthy and do that. Bricky, you ready to pull your your jersey out of the rafters and, and go to New Orleans, man, to be the fourth piece? Of this? No, I'm not. No. But I will be general manager, and I will help them find a player. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think you're right. It's it, it baffles me that, that they can't find wing scoring. And if you add two decent wings to that team, not even the stars – I think they've got a chance to be a competitor in I the West. I 100% agree. And it's just been, it's been mind-boggling since DeMarcus Cousins came there. And there's been some bad luck involved with injuries. But if there's a chance to keep that intact, I do feel like DeMarcus Cousins is a transformational enough player that you say, look, man, this injury sucks. You're our guy. Right. We're going to give you that max deal. Stay here. We want you to retire a Pelican. Which really sounds stupid because Pelican is a dumb name for a pro franchise. <laughs> but whatever. I think I'm with you. I'm with you, Robert. New Orleans not the easiest place to get folks to come. Now, there are players out there that have regional ties that down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. That's sort of the mecca for them. But that's, you know, slim pickings. And New Orleans is one of those places in the world that is great to visit. But you don't want to live there. Like Vegas. Right. Yeah. Like right, Vegas. I, I'd, I'd even, I mean, Vegas, at least Vegas is dry and, you know, relatively <laughs> mild climate wise. Vegas I mean, almost not, killed my brother last year. <laughs> no, it's the place, you're exactly right. You get there off the plane, you're there, you're like, oh my gosh, this is great. Day three, day four, you're ready. Get out of here. Yeah, you're ready to go home. Ready yeah. to go. Yeah. So and I that's think an this... excellent point. And when you talk about quality of life, when you're looking at these multi million dollar athletes, that's a big part of it. Now, 
Talking about free agency, so we're we at this point we're all agreed that the prudent move for New Orleans would be to keep that quarantine, get those guys extended. Yeah. Nix all this nonsense about one of them being dealt. That does hurt my heart a little bit because I do feel like an Anthony Davis to to a Boston deal would tip the whole NBA off of its axis. I'm losing confidence that it's going to happen. The NBA trade deadline's about ten days away, February eighth, and there hasn't been any whispers coming out of there in a long time. What do you What do you know, Trent? Well, I think that this injury hurt Boston because now Davis's value is so much more because they don't have a Boogie Cousins. Uh, maybe, maybe not. So if if they're looking to rebuild, Boston has enough assets in young talent and picks that New Orleans can look at it and say, "We're losing one." But we can retool with all of this. Well, and if you're looking and at have Boston, great young talent, I think Boston, they've got two premium names that that maybe will get tossed around with that. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I think either one of those guys could be traded without creating a huge problem. Those guys are basically, you know, taking minutes from one another right now. They're a little bit different type of player, but they play the same position essentially. So. I don't know if I buy that Anthony Davis' value has gone up for the Pelicans because everything sort of happens in a vacuum. But we'll see. Now, we're talking about free agent moves. And we have heard the Boogie Cousins thing, the other piece of this, is that he has been one of the potential centerpieces for the L.A. rebuild out there with the Lakers. And now that's obviously thrown that off course. And I don't know if DeMarcus Cousins had any interest. I don't know how real the Lakers' interest was. You would have to assume from the outside looking in, it's a good fit. You're going to put a legit big man onto a team that has eight forwards. Go ahead. That's a that's something they don't already have. However, you've got to think that at least for next year, because Cousins, you have to assume, is out into a significant part of next season. I don't know if you can if you can reach from the outside in and say this is going to be what we're going to build our turn our team around and we don't even know what's up with the injury. So Cousins come out of play. If the Lakers were interested and that was one possibility, you would have to think now that Paul George slash LeBron James moves up to the top of their list. I'm going to turn this around, though, and Brandon has come around to my way of thinking. If LeBron James, I'm not even going to say if, when LeBron James leaves Cleveland, because that's a foregone conclusion. He's gone, Cleveland. The landing spot for LeBron that would blow the NBA up is Philly. They signed J.J. Redick. They signed J.J. Redick this offseason to a $22 million one-year deal. And at the time, I was like, What? I really should have spent more time working on my three-point shot when I was in high school. You know, one-dimensional player, role player, guy that's had a nice career. But then about 30 seconds later, I was like, that's genius. Genius. Because they just created a contract that's coming right off the books next year, empowers them to do a max deal for somebody. Who could it be? Who could it be? Who could it be? Nobody's saying LeBron to Philly. Why not? I'm going to go ahead and say it. We talked about it last night. You put LeBron on Philly, they're in the finals, threatening to win. Ben Simmons, Embiid, like those are two unbelievable players. Embiid is essentially unguardable. Like, I mean, 
what is he, 7'2"? Seven seven, is he that tall? I think he's eight feet tall. He's nine foot tall. And no, but I've never seen a big with a silky smooth jumper like his. I've never seen a big that walks up to the line and you say, hey, you can go ahead and count both of these two. Right. And he's going to create contact. So he's going to be at – I mean, imagine having a big that can shoot and win at the free throw line in the playoffs. It's rare. If you watched rare. Joel Embiid without a basketball and without a hoop, if you watched him work out physically against a green screen and watched his movement and the way he can get up and down and the things he can do physically, you would think he's 6'3". Right. That guy is an amazingly fluid athlete to be as big. Now, whether or not he can stay healthy – is going to dictate whether we're talking about a Hall of Fame type player or a guy that we talk about 10 years from now. I'm like, oh, man, that guy woulda. But if you assume that he's going to be able to make it through, and in fact, I'm going to throw this out there, this week marks the first time at this recording, we don't know if it's happened yet, that Embiid is ever going to play back-to-back games in the NBA on back-to-back nights. It's a pivotal moment. Look at but their if two Embiid players. is healthy, you've got Embiid, you've got Simmons, who's nasty. Guess what? Both of them make a year. Six million each. Peanuts. Right. Like. Now, at some point, you have to pay them. You don't have to pay them, but you'll. Go ahead, Robert. Sorry. I think if LeBron goes, he helps that team in a lot of ways. One, he takes those two young guys and teaches them how to be professionals. He would. They would really grow under his tutelage. Two, LeBron can recruit. He can get some additional pieces to go to Philly, which I think they would need. They need some wing scoring as well. All right, so we'll talk about that a little bit more in about half an hour to go. Thanks for listening to From the Cheap Seats. We'll see you on the other side. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. Listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, welcome to the final half hour from the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert. I got I got notes to do this. Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, Robert Bricky, and Diamond Dave Kaplan is in the house. And as of this taping. We still don't have a winner at Tory Pines. Well, we're getting ready to. We're about to. All yeah. right. Uh, we're well, watching it live, so we'll bring you up to date. Two or three hours. I'm and then, then when you hear the show, it'll be two days late, and you'll already know. I walked but, in the studio just now and thought I was at ESPN with all this prep work Kaplan's brought Yeah, Kaplan's no. got a three-ring binder with him. Um, this is unbelievable, the amount of work that he puts in for five hey. minutes that we let him talk about golf. Hey, David, right. when's that going to hardback book? Yeah. I mean, that's a, Evil. a copious amount of notes copious over there. Copious, indeed. This, and I'm sure all of it is iPad, astute. Brent. It's astute data inside there. Tiger Woods this weekend. I don't care who wins Tory Pines. I really don't. I couldn't oh, care less. I, no, I think it's it's a third week in a row that the PGA Tour has had a playoff. 
That's so, pretty I mean, wild. That's pretty noteworthy. I mean, that's the entertainment. But well, wait a minute, I though. think PGA Tour is set up for a spike. I mean, it's kind of been on a decline a little bit since the uh, peak of Tiger, you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago. It is set up for a spike if Tiger Woods is going to play every weekend. Right. <laughs> and he's, he's going to play again next in L.A. in a couple weeks. That's uh, exciting. We'll see him back out there. Now, I don't know, do you still have our picks for where Tiger was going to finish this week? I said 18th, he finished 23rd. Uh, Trent, Professor Trent, said missing the cut. He did. He did have to work hard on Friday to make the cut. He, he birdied uh, four out of the last nine holes. And in and in ninety seconds, give us some give us some astute analysis of Tiger Woods' performance this weekend. What you saw? He's pain free because he was in the rough the entire weekend and taking lashes at it. Also, his short game was phenomenal. And I don't know if y'all have ever. I haven't for decades worked on my short game for hours at a time. I don't know if y'all have ever done that. Putting, chipping, that's what stuff. <laughs> it probably uh, – oh, you can Stop the clock. Stop okay, the clock. Okay. His 90 made, seconds are not, not going. He just said, I don't know if you guys have ever actually, I do worked know. on your short I game. I do know you, you have, have not taken hours <laughs> to work on your short game. He's he's taken hours getting out of the woods and one front nine. I was going to say I've spent hours on a single round working on my short game. <laughs> right. Well, the back will flare up, in my opinion, more working on putting hours at a time or chipping hours at a time, as much as swinging full at it. I mean, you're in a position, particularly where his injury is at the at the uh, lower lumbar and the upper sacrum area. That's your lower back, the way you're bent over and putting. He is practicing his putting. You can tell. Well, I know in the in the first round, he was 18 of 19 on putts inside of 10 feet. And that's what matters. Because, the you know, once you get outside of 10 feet, that's just the ability to read putts and get lucky. But 18 and 19 on putts inside of 10 feet, I think that's a good indicator. Yeah, he had, he had a really cool quote at the end of the weekend. I'm going to – Finger through my. It, uh, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I, "I fought hard for these scores. They weren't yawners. Down the middle on the green, two putt, one hand, your uh, second putt. In other words, he was struggling. I mean, he was struggling, but he was getting the ball in the hole and scoring pretty well. He also said, coming out on Sunday, if I can shoot a 65, I can get in a playoff, and he would have been right." However, I don't think he thought the wind was going to blow 20 or 30 miles an hour, and the course was really going to firm up. Well, Torrey uh, Pines – 65 would have been better than his course record of 62 out there. And Torrey Pines, it's a, it's a narrow track. Right. So it's challenging, but the distance was there, and the trajectory, that's not an indicator of how well he's swinging the club necessarily. That's just tweaking things. He's swinging the club well. His tempo has got to slow down a little bit. And he, he's got a two-way miss with the driver, which you cannot play golf with a two-way miss with the driver. I think I have a three-way miss with the driver. You, Yeah. <laughs> you do. Your, your three-way miss, you got a pop-up, a cold top, a pull hook, and then an absolute flail. I mean, you got one of the best flail right, cut, driver, slice, in the, the deep house. end of somebody's pool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, roof damage. Yeah, Robert, I'm doing some roof claims because of uh, Chris's driver. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so uh, uh, he, he's got to fix that. And if you look in his heyday, he had a little longer backswing. The tempo was a lot slower. And you hear a lot of these guys that know more about the golf swing than I do talk about a three-to-one ratio. 
And the three to one ratio is you take three times the length of time in your backswing than you do on the follow through. It didn't look like that to me. I didn't have the, the, the cell phone out with the stopwatch on there looking, you know, timing his backswing. But what I will say is uh, he, if he gets the tempo down, he gets the timing right. It looked better in Bermuda. Uh, this, this was a narrower golf course. This was a full-field event. I think it's phenomenal he made the weekend. If he didn't make the weekend, he would have chalked this up as a loss. But he made the weekend. I think it's a big win for Tiger. I think it's a huge win for the PGA Tour. That game that he brought to Torrey Pines would have made him competitive in Augusta because you can miss it a little in Augusta and get away with it as long as your short game is sound, and it, it was phenomenal. He had the best short game of any Well, I think in a lot of ways this Tiger is more fun to watch. than some, I mean, obviously Tiger in his prime was just off the charts, crazy. What are we seeing here? Right. But his interaction with oh, the yeah, crowd. Oh, yeah, his, his attitude towards the crowd is way better. However, did, did y'all catch it on Sunday when some guy yelled like, it wasn't play to win, but I'm going to use your favorite. Play to win in the middle of his backswing. Like, oh. you the man or go in the hole. I think he said go in the hole on about a 10-foot birdie putt, and he was draining those 10-foot putts. I mean, he was literally in the middle of his backswing. It's in the hole. And he gave an absolute classic Tiger Woods stare. Well, who would? Just, you know. Who but he got, over I mean, it. he got over it and moved And that's on. the yeah. funny thing. We Chris takes me to a couple of tournaments. I'm always shocked at the amount of people that feel the necessary to yell stuff out. I'm like, you know, act like you've been there a little bit. Right? <laughs> Look, my, my when, wife when, when you're at a PGA event, the beer is flowing. Yeah. The hey, drinks are there. And, you know, I don't know how many people out there have ever been to a PGA event. But, you know, when we go to football and, and baseball games or whatever the case might be, people comment about how much alcohol – there is to drink during the game. You're talking about a two or three hour window for a professional sports game in most cases. In which you're oh, you can all turn day, a PGA all day. event into a three day weekend. Yeah, exactly. There it's is like, a lot, a lot, a lot into, of drinking going my on. My wife just cannot stand the things people yell after, you know, like Baba Booey. Mashed potatoes, well, fried and chicken, <laughs> and and she's like, what? cream cheese. Yeah, they're like, well, that who's makes the no kid? sense. Who's like, a kid? Well, from, some dude with a bunch of beers in. Who's a kid uh, from ECU that we're following? What was his name? Do you remember? We we're going to try to get him on the show. Anyway, he hits a he hits a nice shot, oh, and then oh, all Varner, this, Varner, Varner, yeah, yeah, Varner. Yeah, yeah. Then some Yahoo out in the crowd yells, "Arg." Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, the other, relevance the to other difference, too, is that, you know, most of the uh, – well, not most of, but a lot of the heavy drinking done at a football game, say, for instance, if you're going to go see the Carolina Panthers, some of the heaviest drinking is going on in the club boxes yep. and the sky boxes. Well, at a PGA event, those folks that have been up there are – intermingling following these guys around with the same guys that have been out tailgating. So you got two different entirely different tiers of drinkers there, and the interaction is beautiful. It's America. No socioeconomic divide. You've got the VIP corporate folks, and you got the folks that, you know, general admission coming on in, and they're all drunk. And it's a great time. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's a great oh, time. Robert, you don't know this, but anytime Chris invites you to an event – you are always VIP. I've not been invited to one event of his that we, I haven't had full access to all the VIP wow. tents. That's the only way to go. And that's by VIP access, he means the alcohol. 
That's it's just free alcohol. We, we, I'll, I'll be expecting invitations uh, as soon as golf season starts again. I got you, man. Hey, and likewise, because see, I know for a fact that you have VIP at the Dollar Theater in Fayetteville. Hey, man. Nice. <laughs> Anytime you want to come, I got you. Word. We can make that happen. But, Tiger, you hit it right on the head. This is huge for the PGA. The PGA's got these young kids. If you throw old school OG Tiger into the mix with these young kids, that validates these wins that Jordan Spieth and the rest of these kids are going to put up against a Tiger that's really playing well. And, you know, we we love to hate the guy or we just love to love him, depending upon which way you look at it. But Tiger's huge for the game. We had one more great quote. Uh, Tiger's biggest rival, probably Phil Mickelson, throughout the career. He, he shot 70-68 in the first two days. Looked like he was going to be in the mix. And he, he follows it up with a 76-74 on the uh, weekend. And here was his quote afterwards. I had a good first couple of days, but the weekend was tough. <laughs> I think you summed well, it up well, pretty well. That was, so that was Bill Belichick? Yeah, that was the, Bill Belichick. Comedy, yeah. I don't think he was really interested in being interviewed after that Sunday round. but I got anyway. you. And, oh, also Jason Day. At the end of Sunday's round, wanted to line the fairway uh, like back in Bagger Vance days on that movie, line the uh, fairway with cars and play another hole. Oh, nice! On Sunday, he said, "Let's go." He he walked off the green. They had just made unbelievable birdies. He got had to get up and down from 100 yards, couldn't even see the pin, and uh, and he points back to the tee, and was talking to the official, and then Alex Noren comes in and says, "No, I'm done. I couldn't even see my six foot putt going the hole." So, anyway. Uh, And and, and it looks like Jason Day is going to wrap this thing up here in a couple minutes. Hooray. Breaking news. Breaking news two days later. Now, Cap, before you came in, you might be surprised to know that we have – I don't know if anybody predicted or just acknowledged that your Tar Heels may not make the NCAA tournament. No, that's not true. I thought – that's all I wanted to say. Yeah. He's you been just, brainwashed, just like the rest no, no, of the no, people from the true. People's Republic of Chapel Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you why the Tar Heels are going to make the tournament. Tell me. Because Brooks. I thought it was going to be Manly. Everybody did. But Brooks is going to be the inside presence that they need at the end okay. of the year. Right, he's not going to be phenomenal, but he's going to be able to be like that 8.8 8 right. rebound type guy. L- really that's quickly. that's kind of what they need. If we were going to bet both games together, you got UNC's got Duke. Two more times this year, or two times, period, this year until the tournament. How many points would I have to give you for you to take UNC in a composite? If we combine the scores of the two games, hmm. what do you what do you what do you call the uh, the handicap there? Uh, Sixteen points. Sixteen points between the two games. Right. I'll take it. All right, I'll real quick, it. real quick game, real quick, David Kaplan. Yes. Against Clemson, win or loss? At Clemson. At Clemson, oh. We got to uh, make it quick. Got to make it okay, quick. Okay, okay, I'll go win. But uh, Ooh, okay. Pitt, win. win. Duke. One of two. Oh, okay. So you are at NC State? They're going to get payback on that one. I think you're a little overly. Uh, the, at um, Louisville? I think you're a little more on the positive side. I predicted that it's a good chance that they only get four more wins for the rest of the regular season. Well, now we know. I mean, Kaplan's in here saying, oh, yeah, they're going to beat Clemson. 
They're going to get one at Duke. Oh, this I, I'm not too get, certain. They're going to be NC State the, at PNC. Yeah. Well, of course you think they're going to make the tournament. Right, but I think the Clemson game out of those picks would be my most uh, – uh, yeah, one out Miami. Yeah, yeah in Miami. They're going to play well. Miami again. Yeah. I'm it's going to be tough, but I think they'll get it done. I, I mean, I'm I'm hopeful, but I just – not the way they're playing. Not, the Virginia Tech game – they showed a lot of holes at NC State. All right, well, we'll see who's yeah, correct as we State, move forward. Yeah, but NC State, the cork was unplugged on the three-point shot there. I mean, There's always the NIT. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there is. <laughs> All right, did any of you guys watch the Grammys last night? No. Nobody watched the Grammys? Nobody? No. no. A little bit, not little much. Bit. Not right. enough to comment. All right, so my wife is – she's a fiend for this stuff. When it comes – anything that involves celebrities in a red carpet, she's watching Golden Globes, Grammys, all of that nonsense. So I suffer through it. And it's, you know, sort of payback because we watch a lot of sports at my house, as you might imagine. So I sit through it. I'm here to tell you, today's music sucks. Oh, <laughs> I, I concur. That, That's why we didn't watch the Grammy. Well, and not only that, but here's the thing, man. It used to be that the MTV Music Awards, the Grammys, or the CMAs, they were these showcases where it was like, you know, I'm taking and we're trying to get this thing crunk. We're trying to turn it up. No, not anymore. This stuff has become so amazingly self-indulgent. It's mind-numbing. And I'll tell you, the worst parts of it when we come back we got one more segment to go. You're listening on WBLZ or checking out the podcast. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Kiramutu todos. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me, you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I gotta say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Man, I was a little unsure as to how five people sitting here with microphones was, was gonna work out, but it hadn't been horrible, I don't suppose. Thanks, Robert Bricky, for coming and hanging out with us again. When you, how, how often do you want to do this, man? As often as you need me. Uh, see, you, you'll be in Trent's seat soon. We'll kick him to the curb, man. <laughs> David, I don't know if you've listened to the last show that we did, but Robert has a really unique way of letting us know that we know zero about basketball. It's no, very polite. It's only it's you that he does it kind, to. Kind of like uh, the NIT is not so bad. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, Just these yeah. subtle little ways Boom. of, hey – I really like you, but you're kind of an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I did listen to that episode. It was good. So, so I want to I say the Grammys, just to kind of recap what I'm talking about. First of all, kudos to Kendrick Lamar. He opened the show with a really cool performance. And I meant to call you as it started just to say, hey, you need to turn this on. Because you would have appreciated it, Brandon. I, I, I mean that sincerely. It was pretty wild, and it just kind of went on, and Dave Chappelle was included in it, and it was it was cool. It was a way to kick it off. And I was like, okay, all right, maybe we're doing something a little bit different than we've done the last few years. And then, no, the rest of it was ballads and love songs, the worst of which might have been 
Something that they worked all night to build up. Even on the red carpet, they were pitching this. Oh, my God, Kesha's going to have the Grammy moment. Kesha, Kesha, Kesha. Now, I do need to say this. This is a shout-out to Jessica DeLambert, the littlest of all my little DeLambert baby girls. She loves Kesha. In fact, at one point, she asked me if she could put a glitter cannon in her bedroom because that was what Kesha was known for at her shows, was the glitter cannons. She's a huge fan. Kesha has grown out of sort of that teeny bop and now is writing things that are supposed to be poignant. She took the stage surrounded by women. women, Every single one of whom was more talented than her. Oh, no. Wow. And she sang a horrible song that put everybody to sleep. And the only thing that could have made it worse was if they followed it up with a Broadway moment and had somebody come out and sing Don't Cry For Me Argentina. And that's what they did. And it got a standing ovation. And I stared, eyes bleeding at the television, and said, I I honestly can never do this again. To the love of my life, who I indulge when I watch this stuff, that was a bridge too far. Until next year. I cannot do it again. Until Until next year. Until next month when the Oscars are on, right? Well, yeah, right. So, LeVar Ball was chosen to give the hip hop award at the Lithuanian Grammys, if you were. So right now this is your version of Don't Cry for Me Argentina bringing ball back up? Yes. All right. So La- Lavar Ball was chosen to give the hip hop award at the Lithuanian Grammys. And it's not called the Grammys. It's called some Lithuanian thing, the MAGAs or so I don't know. Anyway, I don't care. If we had another segment or two, I'd put Trent on the case and, and figure out who actually won the award, but I don't care. I do have to say, though, that it's a little racist that LeVar Ball gave the hip-hop award for the Lithuanian Grammys because he was obviously chosen because he's the only black person in the entire country. Has anybody else at this table ever been to Lithuania? No. Have any of you guys been to any of the Baltic states? No. I have. Remember what we said about New Orleans? Nice place to visit, wouldn't want to live there? It's not that. It's not a nice place to visit, and you wouldn't want to live there. It's sort of Stone Age-ish. But anyway, LeVar Ball doing his thing. The highlight of his presentation, though, was when he rolled out a video announcement from Lonzo Ball. And Lonzo Ball announced that he will be coming to Lithuania next summer to do a series of hip-hop concerts. You got to hear this. It's pretty amazing. Brandon, did you write this? I, I don't no, I know did. for certain, but I would have to say that in a heads-up matchup with the Brandon Atkins rendition of Alfalfa Tablets, I yeah. give Brandon Atkins the nose. He gets the nod every single time. Yeah, clear, clearly Nas is played out and doesn't matter <laughs> that after hearing that. I hearken back to Wayman Tisdale. Does anybody else remember Wayman Tisdale? Oh, yeah. He's a jazz fan, aren't oh, you? Oh, yeah, he's a heck of a bassist. Boom. Wayman Tisdale, because I was thinking, you know, 
Iverson tried to rap a little bit. We've had uh, Deshaun Jackson from the NFL rapped a little bit. Ron Artest. What's that? Ron Artest. Ron Artest. I had forgotten about that. All of these guys had one thing in common. They had no talent. Right. Lonzo Ball falls right into the same sack. Wayman Tisdale, truly a renaissance man, is a great musician. And if you're not familiar, I'm sure that it's been jacked and put up on YouTube for the whole world to hear for free. Or you can go do the right thing and buy some stuff on iTunes. But there are some folks out there that are meant to do what they're called to do musically. Lonzo Ball <laughs> does not fall into that category. Not whatever. <laughs> I swear, somebody in third grade wrote that song. That's terrible. It is terrible. And as the song goes on, I did suffer through a couple minutes of it. There is some lyricism going on as you go in. But if you're listening and you are aware of what you're listening to, you can tell that it's edited down and the runs, he's not even saying the complete runs. He's saying it in like five-word bursts. And it's edited down to make it sound as if he can actually flow. That's even more disappointing. I can see the Lithuanians out in the crowd going – Leaning over and saying, "Our research was incorrect. This we this is not what we thought hip hop was. <laughs> Something totally different." So, what do Lithuanians think hip hop is? Go ahead and Trent. What is Lithuanian thinking hip hop? What do they th- think hip hop is? I do some I... Lithuanian freestyling. Right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give him a chance to to kind of like collect his thoughts. But here's the thing: is that the the announcement. There was a statement released that said that Lonzo was going to visit Europe to to launch his hip-hop career. Now, let me tell you this. Hip-hop artists that are touring Europe are not launching their career. In Lithuania. No. <laughs> no. I, this, this whole thing is bananas. LeVar Ball is the P.T. Barnum of... Sports I don't media. know, man. Look at David Hasselhoff globally. <laughs> <laughs> he might this. He might sound like Biggie over there. You know what I mean? It could be. But you know, if everybody in Lithuania buys a CD, you're still you've sold like what seventy five CDs? I don't know, man. I'm ready. All right. well, you're at, oh, here we go. Get ready for my mad skills. Lithuanian style. How long is this hook? <laughs> yeah. Yo. Yo. Can you turn me up? That sounds like Rock Me Amadeus meets Future. I will say this, though, for the Lithuanians and anybody else in the Baltics, I, Serbia, Croatia, any of those places, when they talk about growing up in the streets, you know, a lot of the a lot of the stuff that we have in hip-hop today is sort of fake hardness. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what, if they're rapping about, you know, AKs in the streets and things like that, oh, it's legit. <laughs> And that was just on the way to breakfast. Yeah, this, that, yeah, this legit. That was from the artist that uh, won the award last night. Okay, and what was his name? <laughs> <laughs> Lias Ear 
in a mine. It's okay. a, it's so a rap there, duo that has a, won three years in a row. Any chance of a collaboration with with Lonzo Ball? No, they're way better than Lonzo. <laughs> actually, I would have to agree. I guess they're actually better at basketball than the Mel, the oh, yeah, Ball yeah. brothers. The too. entire family is delusional. Now you say that, but. LeVar Ball talked their team into dropping out of a thing called the Baltic League, which was really a tournament in which they were going to play five lower division teams. It's like playing at the Y. (laughs) (laughs) What he has talked them into instead is sort of doing a barnstorming tour where they're going to go play exhibitions. Now, they played these exhibitions, and apparently, LiAngelo actually turned in a triple-double. What I didn't realize until afterwards is that the kids they were playing against were 14. I didn't know. This this whole thing is bananas, but I'm wondering if LeVar Ball may really be smarter than all of us. And it's like, you know what? Let me, I have let me got stop you right there. <laughs> <laughs> I am insulted by that last statement. I'm not the brightest guy, but that guy's an idiot. <laughs> He's got some good ideas. But he's got no business sense. So he's never going to pull off any of these things he says he's going to pull off. Okay, I hear what you're saying. And I certainly don't want to offend you because even though you say you're not a world-class athlete anymore, you are bigger than me. <laughs> However, here's here's what I will say. He doesn't have any business sense in a traditional sense. But this dude sold sneakers to a significant number of people for five let me, let me stop you right there. How many people actually received the it order? It doesn't matter. They he paid got their 500 bucks. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, called fraud. It's <laughs> <laughs> criminal. Listen, though, not in Lithuania. And as <laughs> yeah. long as he's in Lithuania, I guarantee the Lithuanian government is not going to extradite him. So this may be part of the master plan. He's just going to hang out in Lithuania indefinitely and do his thing. Do we have an extradition, extradition treaty with uh, Lithuania? I'm sure we don't. Okay. I'm how, sure many, we don't. how many NBA players from Lithuania? Uh, a significant number, actually. Tony Kukoc, right? Kukoc, um, who was no, the guy? Uh, Marcellonis. Marcellonis. Yes. I got my brand new line. It's called the Big Baltic brand. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, I almost forgot. We've got to tease a category. We'll be at Libations on Wednesday for trivia. Check it out. We'll be doing horror film villains. Horror film villains is your teased category. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.